morning. Hope you're enjoying the nice summer weather. I think some other people are enjoying the nice summer weather as well. Happy to see each one here in the house of the Lord. As Keisha said, it's such a beautiful thing to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Shall we just pray? Father, we thank you, O God, for this time in your presence and in your house, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that as we look through your word today, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would encourage us. We pray that you would teach us, O God, from your word, O God. And help us all, Lord, to have a heart of gratitude for all that you've done for us. We just commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been going through uh, the book of Psalms and just picking various Psalms here and there to study a few different themes that we see in the Word of God. And uh, this morning I'd just like to look at the theme or the emotion or the expression of gratitude that we should have in our hearts. Now I say should because sometimes or many times it might not be there. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, we actually read about a story where these ten lepers came to Jesus and they wanted Jesus to heal them. And so Jesus told them, go to the priest, show yourself to the priest, according to the custom of the law. And as they were headed towards the priest, all ten of them were suddenly healed of their leprosy. Now out of all of those ten that were healed, the Bible says that only one of those people returned back to give praise to God, to thank Jesus for what had happened. And so when this one person came back, Jesus said, weren't there... Weren't all ten of you all healed? Sort of like an expression, what happened to the other nine? And he said, yes, they were all healed, but only one returned. I wonder if that's a proper statistic of the church today. I wonder if that's a proper statistic of us here at Unionville Alliance today. Is it just one out of every ten that actually expresses gratitude to God? Is it just one out of every ten that goes back and offers thanksgiving to God, we're so prone to murmur and complain, it's so much easier for us to see the negative side of things rather than praise God. So sadly, this can be the state of many of our hearts. Ingratitude can be traced back all the way back to Adam and Eve, that they weren't grateful for all what God had given to them. They wanted something more. They wanted that fruit from that other tree that they weren't allowed to touch. In Romans 1 and verse 21, it talks about how they, although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. And because of that, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, the Bible says. So thanksgiving, gratitude towards God is something that is so important. Throughout the journey of the children of Israel, we see one of the major problems that the Israelites had was murmuring and complaining. They kept murmuring and complaining about everything that happened. And, it was, and, and maybe in our lives as well, we go through that same cycle, right? It's sometimes easy to thank God and praise God when good things happen. But what about when things are not going our way as well? And so throughout this study of Psalms, we've been seeing various expressions or emotions of our heart towards God. I think one of the emotions that's so critical, so important for us, is this emotion of gratitude. Gratitude is one of the most humblest affections because it expresses thanksgiving to others. Gratitude is something that's beautiful. It's powerful when it's shown towards others. It's a feeling that arises freely, unconditionally, and willingly in the heart. 
You know, sometimes you can say politely to somebody, thank you. Maybe you can teach your children to say thank you to, to people when they do good things to them. And we want to uh, cultivate that attitude of gratitude in, in our children's lives and in our lives as well. But how many know it's so easy maybe just to say thank you to somebody, but not really express or have that emotion of gratitude in our hearts? It's so easy for us to say thank you from our lips without that emotion being in our hearts. I was, when I was studying through some of this, it was, it was interesting to see actually the connection between grace and gratitude. I, I believe that gratitude is an emotion or a feeling from the heart that is a response to grace. I'll say that again. I think gratitude is an emotion or a feeling in our hearts that's a response to grace. So when God gives us grace, that unconditional merit, unconditional favor, unmerited kindness towards us, when God shows that towards us, I believe the response of our heart, the emotion, the expression that we give back to God is gratitude. It's gratitude. In, in Luke chapter 22, and verse 19, it talks about, this was actually the Last Supper, the uh, communion. And when Jesus was there, uh, it's interesting because in, in the Greek, the word for thanks is eucharistio. I might be pronouncing that wrong. But it's actually derived from the Greek word for grace, which means charis. And so there's a, there's a connection that's there between grace and thanksgiving or grace and gratitude. Jesus Christ came full of grace and truth. So here in Luke 22, verse 19, it says, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, or when he had given Eucharisteo, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, Christ was full of grace and truth, the Bible says. He was the personification of grace, walking on the face of this earth. And he felt the Father's grace for him to die on Calvary. And this passage here is so powerful because here, Jesus is taking the bread, which represents his body, and what is he doing? He's giving thanks with the full understanding of what's going to come to pass. What is going to come to pass? That body is going to be, that life, that what's going to happen to Jesus is that he's going to be rejected, he's going to be betrayed, He's going to be beaten. He's going to be wounded, crucified. He's going to face a horrible, painful death on Calvary. And right before this happens, what does Jesus do? He takes the bread and he gives thanks. I think this is the best example of giving thanks or having a heart of gratitude to God. Here, Jesus is going to go through all these things. He's going to go through so much suffering in his own body. He went through all that suffering in his body for us, going, knowing full well that this is going to happen to him. He takes that bread, which represents his body, and he says, thank you. Thank you, God. Gratitude. Gratitude. We give thanks when we have a heart of gratitude. But we have to have eternity in mind, because sometimes in life situations and life's problems, we just look at this temporary time here on earth, and we don't look towards eternity. Jesus, of course, knowing all of the sufferings that he would go through, also had a hope for eternity. And so our vision and our life can't just be focused on this earth, but it should extend towards what God is going to do for us in eternity. 
In Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2, it says, uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It doesn't say, my lips bless the Lord, but it says, bless the Lord, what? O my soul. I think it's so easy for us to bless God with our lips. Like I mentioned before, we can just say thank you to somebody, but it might not really be coming out of an expression of gratitude. But here the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul. When grace comes to us, I believe gratitude is a response. It's an emotion. It's an expression of, uh, 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 that we give to God in response to his grace. In our lives. So when God's grace comes to us, when we see we're redeemed, we know that God has forgiven us, we know that God has taken away our sin, we know that God has given us eternal life, and we understand that, and it's grace. It's, we didn't do anything to deserve that. It's unmerited favor. When we receive that, then what is our response? Gratitude. We receive God's grace, and then we say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget any of his benefits. Don't forget any of his benefits. Similarly, when people show us kindness, when people show love towards us that we don't deserve, what does it do? It produces an emotion of gratitude. Produces an emotion of gratitude. And this, this, this great emotion of gratitude is so important that we need to express towards God. Now, getting to the psalm. Psalm 40 is what we're looking at. We read the psalm already. In this psalm, we can see, I just want to divide it up into four main sections. Verses 1 to 3 talks about the Lord's deliverance and salvation for the psalmist. Verses 4 to 11 talks about gratitude. It talks about praise. It talks about thanksgiving for what God has done. Then the mood shifts in the psalm from verses 12 to 15. And he ta- the psalmist talks about his current distress, his iniquity, his sin, his failure, and the trials that he's going through. But then he ends the psalm with hope for future deliverance. So he starts off saying, God, you did this for me. Thank you so much. And then he goes on and says, I praise you. I have so much gratitude. And this is what I'm doing in response to gratitude. I feel gratitude. Now this is my response to the gratitude, which is what we're going to look at today. But then he says, God, I'm in such a difficult problem right now again. Thank you. I remember what you did before, but look at my situation now. And then he ends by saying, Lord, I am hoping in you. I am waiting on you. I am trusting in you. Psalm 40 verses 1 to 3 says, I waited waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So this is the psalmist reflecting on his hardships, reflecting on his difficulties, but seeing how God came and delivered him. The Bible is full of stories of God's faithfulness, of God's deliverance, God's victory, God's provision, God's power in God delivering us. The Psalms are full of so many stories that exemplify God's power in victory to deliver us from our problems and our difficulties. And maybe, I think all of us here, I hope all of us here have experienced to a degree 
that victory, that deliverance, that provision, that hope that God gives. But maybe you're here today and you've never experienced that before. Maybe what I'm talking about is foreign to you. Maybe you don't know what it means to know God as your hope. God is your deliverer. God is your help in time of need. I just want to encourage you today to give Jesus a try. I just want to encourage you today to just come to the Lord Jesus and say, God, I'm in such a terrible situation. I need your help. But what I'd really like to look at very quickly this morning is three responses of gratitude. The title of the message is The Response of Gratitude. So we see in these first few verses, Psalm 40, verse 1 to 3, we see God doing all of these things. The psalmist is expressing his gratitude. Thank you, Lord. You've put a new song in my mouth. I'm able to praise you. I'm able to thank you. So he has this expression of gratitude. Grace has come to him, and he's responding with gratitude. But now that his heart is expressing gratitude, what should he do? And I just want to look at three things. Number one, tell others. When our heart is filled with gratitude, I believe one of the primary responses that God wants us to have is to tell others. Tell others about God's goodness. Tell others about God's salvation. Tell others about God's deliverance. Tell others about God's victory. It's pretty plain and simple. It's not a, you know, a complicated thing. Jesus came to preach the gospel to save sinners. He didn't want to stay in one place. He wanted to go to all these different places. Even when they tried to constrain him to stay in one place, he said, no, no, no. I have to go and share the gospel to all these other places as well. My question to you, my challenge to you, dear people of God, this morning is, are you telling others what God has done for you? Are you sharing the good news with others? Are you expressing your gratitude to God by telling others of his great love? Is that a tangible experience in your life? In Psalm 40, verse 3, he says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Here the psalmist says, Others are going to see what God did for me. And as I proclaim God's goodness to others, others will come and trust in God. This is a response of gratitude. Tell others when we experience God's grace in our lives and our heart is filled with gratitude, the natural outflowing of that gratitude is to go out and tell others, look what I experienced, you can have it too. That's what God has commissioned us to do. Psalm 40 and verse 5 as well says, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. He's, He's praising God for this. Then he says, none can compare with you. I will... What? I will sit at home and keep quiet. Nobody needs to know about this. It'll be my little secret. No. He says, I will proclaim. I will tell of them. Yet they are more than can be told. He says, I'm going to tell of them. And it won't won't get old. I will tell one thing. And guess what? God's going to do something else. So I'm going to tell another thing. And guess what? God's going to do something else. And I'm going to tell that as well. It's not going to become old. It's always going to be new and it's always going to be fresh and it's always going to be another thing that God does because he's always doing things for us. Because God is always helping us. God is always giving us hope. God is delivering us. God is uh, strengthening us. And there's always a story of God's goodness to tell. There's always a story of God's goodness to tell. In verse 9 He says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. 
He's telling. He says, I'm not restraining my lips. I'm telling others. This is the natural outflowing of gratitude. When grace comes, gratitude fills our heart. And as gratitude fills our heart, heart, the natural outflow of that is to tell others. So my challenge to you today, if there's gratitude in our heart, is it being displayed by us telling others of God's great love? By us sharing the good news. He gave us a great commission. Go and tell the whole world. Go to the farthest reaches of the world. In verse 10, it says, I have not hidden your, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. He's like, I'm not just keeping it to myself. It's not just for me to know. No, I'm telling others. I have spoken of your faithfulness, of your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. I haven't just hid it in my heart. I haven't just said, okay, no, this is just for me. I thank God for what he did. No, he says, I am declaring it to others. I am expressing it to others. The gratitude is overflowing in my heart. My cup is running over with God's blessings. And I just have to tell you, this is what God did for me. He can do it for you as well. This is what God saved me from. He can save you too. This is what God delivered me from. He can deliver you too. This is what God helped me from. He can help you too. This is the gospel. Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make known his deeds among the people. You know, Keisha announced that we're having an alpha course a few Alpha courses running this, um, this coming fall. Four different Alpha courses. I want to challenge you today. Can you tell somebody that you know? God changed my life. He can change yours. Why don't you come to this Alpha course and learn a little bit more about Jesus? And you can go along with them as well. Don't just send them. You come too. And express your gratitude towards God by declaring to the people his mighty acts. You know, there's a, a guy named Jeremiah Lamphere. He, he lived some years ago in the 1800s. He came to New York to join the mercantile industry. At the age of 33, he had an unexpected experience with God that trans, radically transformed his life. And he started working with a church in 1857, and he started passing out flyers in New York City to tell people about the Lord. He didn't get much response, so he started to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what should I do? And so... The Lord told him, pray. And so he decided to have a prayer meeting for businessmen from 12 noon to 1 p.m. on Wednesdays. And it was flexible. You could come and go whenever you wanted to. So he printed out all these flyers and he he started to hand hand them out. September 23rd, 1857 was the first meeting. And when when he started the meeting at 12 noon, do you know how many people were there? A grand total of, like normal prayer meetings that we have, Zero people. Hopefully, September 7th is not going to be like that here. But there was zero people to start off. But then by 12.30, a few more people came. And by 1 o'clock, there were six people that attended. The next week, as word started to spread, there were 20 people. And then the first week of October, the number had increased to 40. By the fourth week, there were over 100 people that were being convicted of their sins And wanted to know more about Christ. Within six months, 10,000 people were gathering for prayer. It spread to other cities in the United States. It became known as the Fulton Street Prayer Meetings. And this small prayer meeting 
that Jeremiah Lamphere started on that day led to a great revival beginning in America and it spread throughout to Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England, Europe, South Africa, India, Australia, the Pacific Islands. It all started because this one man had a prayer meeting. My question to you today is, who can we tell about Jesus? And if it's just that one person, that one person can have a great impact. Let's declare his wondrous works to others. Number two, another response of gratitude is, do the will of God. Do the will of God. In Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8, Here he says, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. See what the psalmist is saying here? The psalmist at the beginning of the psalm receives grace, expresses this gratitude towards God. Thank you, God, for what you've done. And then his response is, I delight. To do your will, oh my God. These verses are quoted actually in Hebrews 10, verse 5 to 7, talking about Christ as well and doing the will of God in his body. But in the Old Testament, there are sacrifices and other things, what this talks about at the beginning. But there's something more important. And here the psalmist highlights that. He says, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Our response to the emotion of gratitude that rises from our hearts because of everything that God has done for us should be Hear my Lord. I'm here to do your will. Unreserved, unrestrained, dedication and surrender to God. Now, we don't know what that will entail. It can entail suffering. It can entail difficulty and problems, dying to ourselves, hardships. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 talks about uh, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God so that we will understand and know what is that, that uh, perfect and good will of God in our lives. The problem that we have these days is that we say, I can't do that. I can't serve God or, or that's too much for me. I can't, uh, I can't give up this thing for God. And the reason why we say that sometimes I believe is that we are not motivated by gratitude because our hearts are not rising up with the emotion of gratitude. Then the decision to do the will of God, to surrender to God, to live for God is very, very difficult. I can't give this thing up. I can't go there. I can't do this because the, the fuel of our heart is not gratitude. Now, we should not do things just because God did something for us. Then it's sort of like trying to repay God for that. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what is pushing you, what is leading you, what is motivating you, what is inspiring you, what is urging you, what is fueling you to do the will of God. Is it gratitude? When we receive grace and the overflowing expression, emotion from our heart is gratitude, then the natural outflowing of that will be, Here am I, Lord, I delight. To do your will. You know, the culture that we're living in today is such a consumer-driven culture. It's such a narcissistic culture. It's such a me-focused culture. It's all about me, myself, and I. Even in church, sometimes we decide, to go, decide we want to go to church because of what? Well, what am I going to get out of the service today? Or what kind of programs do you have in your church that I can participate in? And it's all surrounded about Me. It's not about, let me go to church and see how can I serve. Let me go to church and see how can I give, because the gratitude in my heart, we've become consumed by a culture that is, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to give me? What are you going to provide for me? Are you going to sing the songs that I like? 
Are you going to preach a message that I like? Are you going to run a program that I want run? And it's all about ourselves. Whereas the Spirit of Christ is about serving. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. That's the attitude. If our hearts are overflowing with gratitude, if the emotion of our heart, because of God's grace shown to us, is gratitude, then we will say, here am I, Lord. Tell me what to do. Here am I, Lord, a willing vessel. Let me serve you. Here am I, Lord. Tell me what your will is, and I will do it. You know, there's a story of a guy named Dirk Willem. He was an Anabaptist in the 16th century, and he was persecuted, and he died in the flames. He was captured and imprisoned in his hometown of Aspern in the Netherlands. And he knew that his fate in prison would be death. And so, because he knew that's what would happen, he escaped one day. And as he was escaping and he was running across the field, and there was a a pond that had frozen over, and he managed to cross the pond, but there was a security, uh, one of the guards that was chasing him. And one of the guards, as he was chasing him, he went over the pond, across the thin ice, and the ice broke and he fell down. And he's there in this pond and he's struggling, you know, to, to survive. And Dirk, looking back, sees him. What would you do? Run, yeah. Who says that? (laughs) Otherwise, he's going to be thrown back into prison. But he knew what the Bible taught about loving your enemies. And you know what happens, because otherwise I wouldn't be telling you the story. But he turned around and saved that guard from the icy cold water. The guard was going to let him go out of gratitude for what he did. But the chief magistrate was there as well, and he said, no, you have to arrest him threw him back into prison, and he ended up dying on May 16, 1569. But he showed love to his enemies. He did what God wanted him to do at great cost to his own life. Um, Luke 9, verse 23 and 24 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will... Lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Totally contrary to the way the world works, totally contrary to the culture of the day today. But, dear people of God, friends, God is calling us because of the gratitude that's filling our hearts for His great salvation. Let's tell the Lord, Lord, here am I. I want to do your will at whatever cost it is. Then this last section of, 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 of this psalm, the psalmist is crying for help, crying for deliverance, crying for help, confesses his sin, acknowledges, I'm, I'm in a problem again, Lord, I need your help. But yet he praises God in the midst of that. And my final point, number three, is that the response of our heart, the response of gratitude, should be to give thanks in difficult times. Maybe I should have wrote there, give thanks even in difficult times. Because it's so easy sometimes to give thanks when things are going well. But how about giving thanks in difficult times? Psalm 40 verse 16 says, But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. He was praising God even after saying, Lord, this is my state. This is what I'm in. Lord, I've sinned. Lord, this is my failure. Lord, I need your help. I need you to deliver me. But still, Lord, may all those who seek you 
rejoice and be glad in you. He was waiting for God's deliverance. He was waiting for God's help. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In Acts chapter 16, we read about Paul and Silas, how they were thrown into prison. And these are not like the prisons of today. These prisons were really, really bad. And probably insects and animals crawling all over. And it was probably infested and unsanitary and all sorts of things. And it was a dark time. And in that dark time, in Acts 16 verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praising and singing hymns to God. God had put a song in their mouth. Praise to God. And the prisoners were listening. This was done out of a deep sense of gratitude for what God had done for them. They were still able to sing. They were still able to praise. They were still able to thank God. And what happened? They were delivered. And the jailer ended up being saved and accepting Christ as his savior. And that was the start of the church in Philippi. And later on, you know, Paul writes to, the, to that church in the book of Philippians and he says throughout that, that letter, one of the constant themes in that letter is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It, I'm not saying it's easy. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's easy. But I think in scripture we see how God wants us to give thanks in all circumstances. It's written plainly right there. Second Corinthians 6.10 talks about, Paul says he was sorrowful but always rejoicing. It's not to deny the sore. It's not to deny that there will be sad times, there will be difficult times, there will be hard times. Yes, there will be those times. But yet, when we realize God's grace in our lives, God's great salvation, remember, let's look beyond just this world, but look into eternity, into what God is preparing for us, then there's a sense of gratitude that overflows in our lives. Corey Ten Boom, whom some of you probably know, who was a Holocaust survivor, in uh, Ravensbrück, uh, where they were, her and her sister, it was a German concentration camp. Um, they were imprisoned there, and in the barracks that were there, they were infested with fleas. And so Corey began to complain about these fleas that were there. And her sister insisted, and she quoted 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. So she was telling her sister, Corey, look, we got to give thanks for these fleas. Right? Of course, she's probably scratching her head wondering what's going on here. But finally, they were able to thank God for the fleas. Several months later, they realized why. Because what happened is that because their barracks were infested with fleas, the guards did not want to come into those barracks. And so God was actually protecting them from those cruel guards during that time. And they were able to to share one with another and fellowship one with another. Psalm 34 and verse 1. I will bless the Lord. When? When? At all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I want to show you a short video, just three minutes. It's actually an alpha testimony. Um, and it's a testimony of a, of a lady who came to an alpha program and came to know the Lord. And with gratitude in her heart, she made decisions to serve God to live for God, to, to sacrifice some things in her life. And I don't know about you today, but maybe the Lord is challenging you today. What is your response of gratitude? Is it to, to praise God in difficult times? Is it to say, Lord, here am I, I come to do your will? What is your response 
today. Let's just look at that video real, real quick. I think we can start it again, maybe, because the volume wasn't up. I think we're having, if you can read the subtitles there, we'll just, it's a little bit small, I think, right? <laughs> All right, we'll skip the video. We'll stop the video then. The, I'll just explain to you a little bit of what happened with this, uh, with this lady that she, she was invited by a friend to come to an alpha program. And when she came to the alpha program, she found that the, her friend uh, who invited her, she had such a deep sense of peace and a, uh, a change in her life. And so because of that, of what she saw in her friend, she said, I want to have that as well. And so because of that, they, uh, she, she went to this alpha program. And within the first three weeks or so, she found such a great impression on her heart, such a great impact on her heart of what God had done for her. And she realized she had, she had grown up in a household that wasn't a believing household, but she had gone to a faith school she realized what Jesus would mean for her and the impact that Jesus could have in her life. And so because of that, her life was changed and transformed. And she didn't just stay the way that she was. She uh, wanted to, was looking to do uh, a PhD and looking to do some other things uh, to progress her career. But she felt like the Lord was wanting her to do something else, to share the love of God. And so she started to get involved in her local community, and she started to lead worship. She started to do so many beautiful things that, in service to God, out of gratitude for what God had done for her. And so I just want to ask you today, I, I don't want you just to leave the service today and think, okay, you know, nice service, let's go home. But I'd really like to challenge you and ask you, what are you going to do with this now? Singers, you can, you can come. What are you going to do with this now? What is your response going to be? What is your action going to be? Of everything that God has done for us, let gratitude be overflowing in our hearts. And as gratitude is overflowing in our hearts, what will we do for God? What will be our response? Can we tell others? As the psalmist did, he said, I will proclaim your goodness to others. Can we surrender our lives to God and say, Lord, here am I. I come to do your will. Or can we praise God even in the most difficult times of our lives? 
Let's stand and let's sing to the Lord today.